Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a special edition to MLW Confusion. Uh, this is special because it does not involve Major League Wrestling whatsoever. Um, instead, I got myself a friend who is going to help me kind of go over the roster and our memories of WCW NWO Revenge for the N64. So without any further ado, here is my friend, eh, one of my Patreon backers as well, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Alex Frag. Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks. Uh, you're hosting, so thanks for having me on here. <laughs> um, so as I said, we, we are reviewing um, WCW NWO Revenge. Um, Alex did all the like actual paperwork for this, so he can fill in the blanks. <laughs> but I think he said it came out in 1998. Yep, it came out in 1998, and uh, it was a sequel to the previous work, uh, 1997's WCW versus NWO World Tour, uh, which I don't have as many fond memories of, because I've only played it a few times. <laughs> but yeah, this was released in October 26th in North America, uh, which actually was one day after that year's Halloween Havoc. Um, did you watch that year's Halloween Havoc? I've probably watched it eventually. You said 90s? 98. 98, okay. Yeah, uh... I didn't watch it very many of those pay-per-views live. Um, I've probably watched it since then, thanks right. to um, a certain network by a major company, but they're not paying <laughs> me, so I'm going to kind of waffle on plugging them, even though you, everyone knows who it is at this point. Yeah, we, we didn't have money back then to, to actually pay for a pay-per-view, because uh, we were in high school. Yeah, I say I, I had a friend who would who would who would buy the pay-per-views, then uh, record them via VCR for you old people um and but it's still like I didn't I I didn't get a hold of them till much later um but usually but I watched the weekly at least one of the weekly shows religiously um I flop I kind of flip flop between the WWE and WCW at this time um right I was watching Raw and um Smackdown uh every week as much as I could back then I was really big into it that year, particularly our freshman year in high school, I think that was the, the most I, I watched uh, wrestling on TV. And I kind of fell out of it as like as high school went on. But uh, yeah, this era in particular, I have a lot of fun memories of. So this game is one of my favorite wrestling games. And arguably, out this and um, No Mercy, both for the N64, coincidentally enough, same and same. Uh, company produced the games are some, regarded as some of the best wrestling games. And this is arguably also the hottest period in professional wrestling being the height of the Monday Night Wars as well. Um, so this is kind of just a convergence of all the best features of video games and wrestling at this time. Yeah, I think IGN said this game was the uh, best wrestling game for the Nintendo 64, which I don't think is that difficult to do. I don't know how many... At least in America, not yeah. terribly many. Yeah. Um, but uh, Neil Morrissey is usually regarded as like the greatest rest, uh, re uh, licensed wrestling game of all time, though uh, Fire Pro likes to throw in its hat every now and again. Um, but Fire Pro didn't have much of a presence in America until right. fairly recently, and that's only because they uh, struck up a deal with New Japan. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I know of this one uh, most... And like I said, it is the sequel to World Tour, which I have. I can tell you this. <laughs> Revenge is way better, just graphically, uh, 
sound-wise, everything. It just blows it out of the water. So I, I see really no reason to ever go back to World Tour and play <laughs> that again, because this is just like World Tour, but twice as good. <laughs> World Tour, even tourier. Uh, so. so this game was published by THQ. Uh, you saw their logo on the middle, that little intro. Um, and THQ, let's go over the, their history a little bit, because uh, you tend to see their games on, on, or tend to see their logo on wrestling games a lot. Uh, I think Jack Friedman, the co-founder, uh, well, he was the founder of THQ. I think he had a soft spot for wrestling because he was the uh, co-founder of LJN Toys <laughs> as well. If you remember uh. the, the rainbow logo. And yep. uh, the, I, I kind of associate L, um, LJN Toys as uh, lower quality toys, so I didn't have too many. But they did release some um, action figures of WWF uh, wrestlers back in the day. Did you have any uh, that were L? I'm, tr I'm trying to remember. I had two generations of, of the wrestling toys. Uh, one were like giant rubber ones. That stood probably about 10 inches tall, and they did not move at all. They weren't opposable. They were just like a rubber mold. Right. We could smash them together real good. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they were durable. Like, right. Yeah. Their limbs did not, you know, get torn off. <laughs> and then around 91, I did a second wave of like action, like action uh, wrestlers. Um, they each wrestler, each of the WWE superstars had a special maneuver, which is mostly like a wind-up punch, or, like, a springing drop kick. Right. But other than that, they also didn't move terribly well <laughs> either. So, uh... Yeah, they came out with some uh, action figures of the WWF champs, and they also did things like Thundercats. Um, so, THQ, they did make actual toys before they made uh, wrestling video games. THQ was an acronym for Toy Headquarters. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I always just called it Thick. But it's not... Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna lie, most of this information you've thrown out there, I was not I, not aware of. I didn't, I wasn't aware of their connection with LJN. Yeah, and so THU put out a line of uh, action figures as well. They did a Home Alone Macaulay Culkin one <laughs> and a Vanilla Ice action figure. Um, but then, um, shortly after uh, it was founded in September of that same year, uh, they acquired New Ventures, which is a division of. Um, Broder Bund, and they did the Prince of Persia games. So they withdrew completely from making action figures and toys, and just uh, and focused uh, solely on video game production, starting in 1994. And but Jack Friedman, he left the company before this game was made. So, but like I said, I do think he had a soft spot for wrestling since they did come out with those action figures as well. And THQ did a lot of wrestling video games. Uh, but he left in 1995 to co-found the toy manufacturer Jack Pacific. Huh. Who I'm pretty sure, who also pretty sure did wrestling action figures there too. Yeah, I think they did. I didn't. I couldn't find any information about that, but it that sounded really familiar. And I think I saw. Didn't we see their logo on? Some other wrestling video games for like the PlayStation or maybe the uh. maybe it was the Jackass game for PS2. <laughs> I don't remember. Anyways, 
the game was developed by Asmic Ace Entertainment, which is a, a Japanese film production and distribution company. Uh, they were founded in 1985 as a subsidiary to the Su- Sumitomo Corporation of Japan. Uh, <clears throat> its focus was in the area of video games for the video game console market, specifically for the NES, uh, but they produced games for the Dreamcast and the PlayStation and PlayStation 2 and all that stuff as well. Uh, I don't know if you remember back in the day that a little pink dinosaur character called a Boomer, he was their mascot. He had a PlayStation 1 game where he was the, the main <laughs> focus. Pretty cute little pink dinosaur character. No, not yeah. ringing any bells. <laughs> if Keith were here, we could ask him. He was the PS1 guy. Right. Uh, but they did other games like Paladin's Quest and Altered Beast and a game called LSD Dream Emulator. Oh, I know of that game. <laughs> I do. It's not so much a game as a nightmare machine, really, from what I've read and some of the scr- uh, the, the emotions I've seen of it. Right. Like, the game doesn't have a plot. It's just you going from dream to dream, <laughs> like, with no sort of frame of reference. It sounded, it sounded really interesting, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then... It was also developed by Aki, uh, A-K-I. I didn't know it was pronounced Aki. I thought it was just A-K-I, so that kind of sounds weird. Aki Corporation. Uh, they were founded in 1995 in Tokyo. Uh, they primarily did wrestling games, uh, starting in 1996 with virtual pro wrestling. And they did about a dozen or so wrestling games before uh, they did SimCity DS and SimCity DS2. And now they're just mostly doing rhythm-type games. Uh, but they had their own wrestler in the game <laughs> called Aki Man. Aki, I think it's called Aki slash THQ Man. I don't remember. We'll, we'll, we'll find out here in a bit. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's just jump into a, an exhibition, maybe, and see if it sparks any memories. Or maybe we'll go through the first... Uh... Yeah, let's go through a, a, chunk, of, a chunk of the uh, roster. Um, the roster is... The roster is broken down into factions. Um, uh, not sure how many... Fa- I can't remember how many factions are. We'll find that out. Um, so the entire roster is broken down into these factions. And so there's not much rhyme and reason in terms of how they're presented. Uh, in terms of, like alphabetized or things like that. There's NWO white and NWO red. I don't know uh, NWO, what the difference between um, those two. Um, if the NWO fractured into the NWO black and white, led by Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. and the NWO Wolfpack, led by Kevin Nash, um, and so there was kind of an inter NWO feud going around while still feuding with WCW as a whole. Right. Um, so it looks like we're starting with the black and white, uh, who is captained by Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Um, still in the midst of his big heel turn of the mid-90s. I missed Hulk Hogan when he was wrestling, and then I never watched NWO, so I missed Hollywood Hogan as well, so I never really saw either Hulk or Hollywood Hogan on TV. It was (laughs) kind of a... I missed out. I kind of feel a bit bad about that. Uh, You should, because at this point he was using uh, Hendrix as his theme music. Oh, nice. He was using uh, Voodoo Child. That's sweet. So... And come out, well, as he's doing right now, playing Air Belt. <laughs> he's not holding a puppy this time, though. <laughs> no, that, that's a, that's a straight-up cast move right there. Uh, but Hogan would come out and either play Air Guitar or he, he would play his uh, weightlifting belt. 
Right. So, or the championship belt. And so Keith and I came up with the concept of air belt. Because, you know, most people play air guitar. If Hoey wasn't the champion and he didn't play his uh, weightlifting belt, we'd say he was playing air belt instead. Yeah, they don't have um, any entrance music in this game, uh, which is a shame. But a bit understandable since there's like 60 (laughs) guys. Yeah. So I don't think that would fit on the... Uh, yeah, 64 cart. Yeah, the, the, they, they do have their own little dance moves, and uh, <laughs> they come out do a taunt. Like yeah, they yeah. do a taunt. They guess we're watching Hogan do now. Um, after Hogan, we have uh, the Giant, who looks like he is taking a massive poop. <laughs> um, for those of you not in the know, uh, Giant is now known as the Big Show, and still periodically showing up on WWE television. Um, but at this point, oh, he's he's actually listed as 540 pounds. Uh, when he debuted for the company about four years earlier, he was probably like 425 pounds and was p- still pretty agile for a guy that size. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, um, he's had some pituitary issues, uh, which he's had since corrected, but kind of led to uh, some massive weight gain. And he's up at his up at his heaviest. He pushed nearly 600, but that wasn't for another like five years at this point. In the game. When I first got this game, I had no idea that it was supposed to be uh, the big show, so I just renamed him Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> well, his first handful of appearances, he was billed as Andre's son. That's oh, and, really? and that's and that's why that's one of the reasons he's rocking the single strap singlet. That makes sense because because uh, that was Andre's attire in the in the latter years of his career, nice. um, and then he was you know at least Andre's size, depending on who's billing him at any given moment. Um, and whatnot, but yeah, he was originally for uh, for I don't know maybe a year, if, uh, maybe not even that long. Build as Andre's son, and he was just the giant. He didn't have a real name until he went to the WWF at the time, mm-hmm. and he started out, and then he started out as Paul White, and they called him the Great. So he's like the Great White, uh, <laughs> like a shock. Uh, um, finally, before finally said, uh, getting rid of his name and just calling him the Big Show. Probably couldn't have that name today. <laughs> <laughs> well, they like, like, implied like the shark thing, and then didn't like give him any sort of like shark like reasoning. Right. It's just the Great White. <laughs> but, Does he have fins? Yeah, Does he have sharp teeth. What's yeah, that? Jaws theme, nothing. No, just okay. he's like Here's a, he just had some generic rock music, and he'd come out and do his little choke slam gesture like he's doing right now on the screen coincidentally enough and everybody calls said, him the big white but he comes out and his uh, theme is still the big show theme <laughs> well it's the big show but everybody calls him the great white yeah. so it's confusing to everybody <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny <laughs> next is uh, our first deceased person of the show alright so we're playing <laughs> who is still alive while we're going through this roster. <laughs> that was the real point of this, was seeing who's still alive. <laughs> and uh, we have Brian Adams, uh, Crush, um, at this point, a member of the NWO Black and White. Um, a later, uh, Rose got a little bit more famous, at least at this point, than he was at this point, uh, forming Chronic with uh, Brian Clark, who I'm positive will be in this game at some point or another, known as Wrath. Um, oh, actually, fun fact, he is not in this game. Um, I don't remember why. <laughs> Um, but if you put in like a cheat code, you can unlock him. Huh. I don't know what the code is, but for whatever reason, he's not. You can't choose him on the roster. It's crazy! Like everybody's in this game. Everybody's like, in this game, but Rat and Ric Flair 
Which, that's, which is like the most glaring omission like you could possibly have. I think he was having negotiation or contract yeah. issues at the time. Yeah, I mean, that sounds fair, but even then, like, just the amount of time it takes to get people in video games, I'm kind of surprised. Um, but Crush, uh, Brian Adams, uh, was Crush in the early 90s. Kona Crush, bra, uh, where I was known for it, with his mullet, sweet, sweet mullet and his uh, pastel neon-styled tights. Uh, used the Kona Crush head squeeze as his finisher. Mm, doesn't, um, doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. Um, he didn't really do anything in WCW until he became, until around 99, 2000, when he formed Chronic. Like, he was just generic lackey number eight in the NWO. Because <laughs> the NWO, like, had so many people. That's why they could just, they could break off into the Wolfpack. Was right. because there was, like, a million people in the NWO. Right. And at his height, like, WCW employed, like, 300 wrestlers. Jesus. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, most of, most of them like jobbers that you'd only see on like the international broadcasts, but like just a massive roster that used to fly in like 150 people for a telev a television show, like the main television shows. So like Raw, oh not Raw, sorry, Nitro and uh, Thunder, right. like would they'd fly in 150 people, even though they are obviously not using that many folk. Jeez, like, and you wonder why WCW failed ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, getting back to some name value, we got Scott Hall, the bad guy, uh, former Razor Ramon. Razor Ramon, one of my all-time favorites of the early 90s. I'd always pick him uh, for any NES wrestling game or SNES wrestling game because I just loved his finisher, the Razor's Edge, so much. It just looked like the most uh, badass move. Oh, yeah. And he's a big dude. Despite his protestations saying he's only a medium-sized dude, he's a big dude. Uh, they're billing him at 6'7", 287 at this point, which they're not embellishing too terribly much on him, maybe giving him an inch in height um, and maybe 10 pounds. So, you say they embellish the height. Who, Who's the... Uh person with the, the greatest embellishment you think or what's the greatest embellishment you've seen um off the top of my head ironically it goes in the opposite direction is christian uh they would build christian anywhere between 5 8 and 5 10 and the dude's 6 2 huh. <laughs> that's interesting why they downplay that uh, you know, I know some of it is because he was in the cruiserweight division or the lightweight division, mm -hmm. and so they just felt, for whatever reason, felt like a guy that tall couldn't couldn't weigh less than 125 pounds. Right. Um, I, I feel like that 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 was some of it. Um, otherwise, like I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> um, but like, there's been rumors that Andre the Giant is only like five, uh six ten, and they've built him anywhere between seven two and seven four. <laughs> Um, the giant in this game, they've he's being built at like seven two right now. Um, but in this game, they build him at seven four. Hmm. Um, so I mean, it's that's not uncommon in the world of wrestling to right. embellish a touch. Especially um, their gimmick is he's huge. Yeah, <laughs> but I I just like the concept of in a promo Scott Hall called himself the medium sized dude. I mean, granted, he was standing next to Kevin Nash, who's a legit seven foot. Right. Um, but he's like, the big guy and the medium-sized guy. <laughs> wow. If Paul's the medium-sized guy, like, you know, we're in trouble, you know. Uh, but uh, Scott Hall's dead, yeah? No, no. He's, he's not? He got better. Wow. Uh, no, he looked like he, he was pretty rough for a while. And he got into DDP yoga. 
um, Diamond Dallas Page's yoga program, and he runs an accountability house. And he, him, and Jake the Snake Roberts were his prized pupils. Like Scott Hall's mostly sober. He's he's relapsed a couple times, but not nothing huge. Um, but it looked like, I mean, especially by this point in his career, it looked like it was a matter of time before he drank himself to death. Yeah. Um, and like, and, and come like the early 2000s, I mean, there was a lot of talk about stuff. But like, this was, they even made this part of his gimmick in WCW that he was a drunk. Oh, no. And instead of just like helping him out, like, he would just come out and stumble around. And at one point, he threw up on Eric Bischoff. <laughs> So, yeah, he was knocking on death's door there for a while, so I, I am legit shocked that uh, he's doing better. Yeah. I mean, good for him, but, yeah. you know. uh, I mean, he, I mean, obviously he's retired from in-ring competition, but he still pops right. up randomly on WWE television hmm. um, and whatnot. I think he still does some indie appearances and hangs out with this kid who mostly wrestled. Well, I don't think he's wrestling in Japan anymore, but was wrestling in Japan for a while. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Just and and Hall just entered the Hall of Fame on his own uh, on his own uh, last year or the year before. So good on him. Nice. Just turning everything around and being here to see it. Going back to the other end of the spectrum, we got Scott Flash Norton, good old Flapjacks, uh, former IWGP champion, one of the few gaijin to hold the belt in New Japan. Um, pretty big, he's a pretty big deal in Japan. Um, didn't do a whole lot here in America. His biggest claim to fame in America is. Uh, Go, uh, winning an arm wrestling tournament to take on uh, Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top. <laughs> like, that's about his biggest claim to fame in America, really. Um, yeah, I did not know who this was when I first got this game, so I think I named him Brickowski or something. Like <laughs> it's Leotard's brick Bricks. pattern, so... Yeah. And he kind of looks like he could be a... He's a brick, brick shit house. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at this point, like, he was generic henchman number 64. Um, occasionally, he'd get the team with Buff Bagwell as Vicious and Delicious. Hmm. Um, but prior to that, he wasn't doing a whole lot. He was in the a vicious one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise, he, but he wasn't doing a whole lot. He came in teaming with um, Ice Train as Fire and Ice. And, he, and then Scott split off to join the NWO. But yeah, in America, I have a soft spot for him, but in America, he hadn't done a whole lot, really. Um, but speaking of Vicious and Delicious, hey, I zoomed in. Uh, he's screaming at us. Uh, speaking of Vicious and Delicious, here's Buff Bagwell. He's buff, and he's the stuff, and the girls just can't get enough. Um, Buff's biggest claim to fame is being is bringing his mother into WCW, who has held... Maybe <laughs> I like that. <laughs> he just like man, did like a really bad worm out of nowhere. That, that's tough. Um, brought his mother in, and I think his mother has held as many WCW titles as he has. One. Uh, I think she's had multiple tag team title reigns, but don't oh. hold me to that. Um, but he's had at least one. Uh, he's not. I think he's had like three. He might actually edge her out by one or two reigns. But like each of his reigns have been with a different partner. Hmm. Because uh, he's held with the Patriot, I'm pretty sure he held with Two Cold Scorpio, and he definitely is part of the American Males. Hey, well, there's the worm again. Um, he also holds the distinction of being the first WCW match on uh, WWE television after the buyout. Nice. Uh, him and Booker T wrestled for the WCW World Title, and the match was terrible for a variety of reasons. <laughs> Uh, some of it, some of it being buff, honestly, is not that great of a wrestler. Mm. But some of the stuff they t they that they had him do for the match kind of took away from buff being buff, right? Um, because he's not like a great wrestler, but he's a he's a decent showman. 
Uh, and they really had him, like, they didn't want him to play to the hard cam, which is a big part of his shtick. Like, they didn't want him to do some of the stuff he was doing as buff. And then they also didn't hold that match in the South, which was WCW's hotbed. They did it, like, in, like, Portland or Seattle, hmm. which is really weird because, like, the next week they were going to be in Atlanta, which was WCW's headquarters. Right. You'd think they want to do it there. But, you know, that's, we can go further into that, <laughs> but that just might be going to, like, conspiracy theories and whatnot. Um, so we'll just kind of keep moving. But well, buff. I remember he seemed like a um, heartthrob type character, so I uh, renamed him Grandmaster Sexay so I could have him in my game. <laughs> <laughs> that was also the beauty of the uh, THQ games for N64 is that there was a lot you could actually edit the wrestlers in game um, and yeah. edit their names as well. You can edit their names and you can give them a nickname and um, you can change their costumes. Yeah, right, I just figured out. Four default costumes, I yeah. think, and you can change the color for each one. Uh, there isn't a created character in this game, but there is masks and different outfits. Like, you could have Buff Bagwell, or you could have someone that's not in, in the NWO wearing an NWO shirt. Yeah. Or... Yeah. They could, you could customize... You do a lot of customization for... Uh, for people and then there we'll get on and there's some guys that aren't on the WCW roster in the game that there were uh, THQ Aki exclusives uh, that you could kind of dress up a bit if you're more into the caw spectrum <laughs> right up next is karate Eric Bischoff um, the on-screen executive vice well, off-screen executive vice president for WCW for about five years, um, later joined the NWO as the behind-the-scenes benefactor, uh, legit ba black belt in karate, and he's wearing his uh, karate attire for this game. I wonder what all well, we got. He does have some denim, I think. Yeah, we got the NWO cool shirt, white karate pants, and he's got the karate gloves. There we go. We got the we got the full leather. Uh, easy in tuxedo. <laughs> the easy E. Um, yeah, but on-screen benefactor of the NWO, off-screen president of WCW, and uh, for quite a while, for like five years at least. Um, he comes out with Hogan in this game whenever Hogan comes out. Yeah. Um, just regular smarmy dude. And like uh, even after WCW, he keeps coming back to wrestling. Um, he was an on-screen general manager for WWE for a bit. Um, he was actually, within the last year, hired as a creative consultant for the SmackDown brand. Um, didn't last terribly long there. Um, but, and then there's rumors abound of what his job duties were and why he got fired. Um, but right now, uh, in, in the current speak, he is hosting a, a, a hosting a podcast with, uh, Conrad Thompson, who's mm -hmm. supposed to be, uh, focusing on the 83 weeks that Nitro beat Raw. <laughs> if you're going to focus on something, that might as well be it. Yeah. So, the time this game came out. Right. Uh, so there we go. And now we have Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner. A.K.A. Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> Even though he looks nothing like him, I, I had to have Too Cool in every wrestling game. You say they weren't in it. Scotty Too is <laughs> probably about the size of Scott Steiner's meals. Right. His name's Scott. I'll just name him Scotty Too Hotty. That makes sense, right? And he's blonde, so... Uh, right. I didn't have much of a choice. Yeah. Uh, oh, they got old school Scott Steiner as an yeah. alternate attire. 
Man, I, it's the ugliest thing yeah. I've ever seen. I'm I'm hoping I should be able to play through and see if one of his finishers, because almost all the finishers from the game are from the fa- uh, the front grapple position. I wonder if he uses the Steiner screwdriver, which is an which is the is a vertical suplex into a pile driver. I think so. Yes. Nice. I think so, uh, what yes. what what I want to see? I've just seen footage of this coming. I want to see make a comeback. He used to do a backflip power slam. As just a regular move because the man's insane, um, and I don't know how he didn't die because I've seen like <laughs> I've seen at least two different clips where he lands on the top of his head, but like he would just pick the guy up, pick the guy up, and carry him like he's doing a front slam, and then just do a backflip, <laughs> like not off the top rope, like in the middle of the ring. <laughs> it's insane. What? He's one of those wind-up toys that. <laughs> it doesn't make it. I mean, but calling the movie insane like adequately describes Steiner because he he is a hothead. You should never give him a live mic. <laughs> I think he does that finisher, but I think he does it from the front in this game just because I think it was easier for the developers yeah. to pull it off that way. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, because I think at the, by this point he was using the Steiner recliner, which is a camel clutch, as his actual finisher. He does that as well. Um, yeah. But yeah. Like the man's insane. He's still running around the wrestling business, uh, mostly doing indies, but will pop up for um, Impact Wrestling every now and again. Um, but yeah, he's still at it. Uh, nearly died in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, got his larynx crushed, oh, wow. like legit crushed. Took a thrust kick uh, in the throat. Jeez. Uh, yeah, so he like nearly legit died. In addition to all the other crazy stories of 80s wrestling. And, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, another kind of cautionary tale of like, oh, sh- oh shit, we could have lost another one. Which I'm impressed so far. I mean, we've only gone through one, we've only gone through like eight or ten people and we've only had one guy who's actually dead. So, right. I mean, I guess I shouldn't complain. Because um, this game could get a lot, a lot more sad. <laughs> or at least the, morbid. Uh, the guys that top bill are the ones that get paid the most and they have the most money to take care of themselves yeah. theoretically well like I say I mean there's a lot of issues right. that, in the wrestling industry uh, that we probably shouldn't cover on because there's a lot of speculation <laughs> since we're not in the business if right. you will um, but now we've moved on to uh, the Wolf Pack and we start with Kevin Nash who actually looks a lot like the Undertaker in the screen motion um, but he's the leader of the NWO Wolf Pack the NWO Red for this game um, split off uh, from, uh, from the NWO and uh, the red, uh, the black and red, the wolf pack kind of became like the cool man's NWO, despite mm. all almost every member being like forty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is up, fellow children? Um, but Nash is one of those charming, charismatic characters that could could get it to work, and so it worked for. Excuse me, worked for him. Um, but he he's retired um, because his knees are shot. Uh, yeah, his knees are shot, and it looks like his arms aren't really attached to his shoulders in this game. They're kind of just uh, floating <laughs> floating on the shoulder blades, which is one of the biggest uh, complaints about this game, I think, was the uh, clipping. Like, body parts will clip and look weird, and objects will clip into people <laughs> and other objects and, and look terrible. But... Uh, as far as like graphic complaints, that's pretty much the the worst thing. I mean, yeah, it was pretty solid comparatively speaking. Right. Next we have Sting, the man who should have never joined any NWO. 
is in the wolf pack, eventually painting a goatee on his face to cover his real goatee at the time. Uh, but we also have uh, regular crow sting. Uh, oh, we got the surfer sting. Surfer sting, my favorite. And then trench coat sting. My um, favorite. <laughs> I'm the crow. The crow. Oh, and that, that was like almost like Hogan's heel turn. This was also a pretty big deal because up uh, after he uh, when he finally broke away from uh, the Blade Runners, he became this colorful character and he was flamboyant and would yell and cut these screaming promos. And then everyone in WCW thought he joined the NWO, and so in storyline, he's like didn't have didn't have anyone to have his back, so he just went mute and just hid. Right. Around the, and this is around the time that The Crow came out, and he kind of patterned his look off of Brandon Lee at the time, but it was kind of like a big shock to the system as well. Yeah, there isn't really a story in this video game, um, but the intro little presentation, they kind of set it up where it's Sting versus Hogan, or uh, they have like a rivalry going on or something. Another big thing is Sting makes his entrance via the rafters in this game. I definitely remember that because yep. it gets really weird when uh, we play. We used to play a lot of battle royals uh, before uh, back in the day when we played this when it was newish, uh, and just like everyone's fighting, and then all of a sudden here comes Sting from the rafters. <laughs> like, okay, man knows how to make an entrance. He's the only one that does that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure too. Um, and that's something that uh, doesn't age well uh, after the loss of <laughs> Owen Hart. Um, so they kind of stopped doing that in real life as well. He's doing like doing like a gorilla beating his chest. Yeah, that, that he's always kind of done that. Oh yeah, yeah, that is one of his things. And that and screaming, "Ow!" Next we have his best buddy <laughs> Lex Luger, who uh, also grew a goatee to be in the Wolf Pack. Not seen in this game though, which is for the best. Um... Oh, we got generic tighted Luger. Oh no, we got oh poo! Oh shit, man! They they snuck in all American Lex Luger into the game. He never wore this in WCW. Really? Never. This is strictly a WWF creation. We need was uh, Surfer Sting in? No. Okay, so they they sneak in classic looks then yeah crazy like this is not even a wcw thing at all I, i'm sorry this is like gone totally off the rails um but luger's wearing his american flag tights which he wore being american made in, in the wwf uh he traveled around the country in the lex express which is a big old patriotic decked out bus um, but he had American pride to uh, defeat uh, to occasionally defeat evil foreigner Yokozuna. We'll ignore <laughs> he was from like Hawaii, um, but never won the world title in the WWF. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. Go nuts! I did not. I just expected another generic color, and then all of a sudden, here's old glory facing me, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, Luger had a pretty solid WCW career. But once it folded, he kind of faded away. He did some indie stuff. Um, has a great promo um, that I can't remember for the companies for, but it's, it's all of it's meme worthy because his shirt's too small. He screams, "I don't know!" in this weird tone, <laughs> like rags on the company's owner. <laughs> it's just great. Um, but yeah, he's kind of faded out. He's doing just like low key behind the scenes stuff occasionally for the WWE because uh, he had a major health scare and he he doesn't look like Luger. Oh, um, yeah, 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 it's um, crazy. Going nuts. He's another one that's lucky to be alive, but ironically, it wasn't 
all the drugs that did it <laughs> compared or to some of the folks. Or was it the headshots? Uh, part of it. And they think it might, steroids probably didn't help either. Mm. Um, but he got like a full body infection Ugh. and like spent a chunk of time in it, like a full body cast. Oh and he's God. like lost half his body mass. Like he's, I think he's still sub 200 pounds. Hmm. But it's crazy go nuts. Um, Savage, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Macho he's... Madness, running wild. I know he's dead. Yes, uh, <laughs> after his ill-fated rap career. Um, <laughs> actually, I convinced like an eight-year-old. Okay, by convinced, I mean he was convinced, and I tried to talk him out of it that his his rap album was the greatest rap album ever. Um, it was a sad, sad time in that car. <laughs> I think I do enjoy one of his songs, actually. I don't uh, remember which one, but one of them's decent. Yeah, a couple that are like low key decent. Uh, uh, Be a man, which he, which is his uh, his diss track on Hulk Hogan, uh, is pretty solid. And um, if you ignore that, it's that it's Macho Man, um, my perfect friend. The <laughs> the closing track is actually surprisingly solid too. Uh, uh, that's a tribute oh to God. Kurt Hennig. Mr. Perfect, who is, um, who probably is in this game as well. <laughs> I we'll, we'll find think out. Think so. Um, but yeah, but Macho Man. I mean, and if you're a wrestling fan, you know what a Macho Man is. We don't have to spend ten minutes. But I'm going to scroll through his alternate tires in here real quick to see if he's got any of his neon stuff. That's uh, I don't know what that attire is. I don't think I've ever seen him use that attire. Uh, some stripes. But yeah, Macho Man. Oh yeah. What's the madness about? Macho Madness running wild. Yeah. The madness. That was just one of his things, is Macho Madness running wild. <laughs> Get down with the sickness. Right. And this is before he bulked up, and like they called it midlife crisis look, where he bulked up quite a bit, wore like a see through shirt, stopped using pomp and circumstances, come mm-hmm. out with a bunch of women. Like he had a whole harem come out with him. Uh, including uh, Medusa, who is a pretty damn good re- lady wrestler, um, and the future Molly Holly as well. Yeah, he comes out with some woman in this game. I don't remember who. The... <laughs> and his girl, he brought in his girlfriend, jo- uh, um, George, uh, gave her the gorgeous George gimmick, which was, I guess, supposedly supposed to go to his brother, Lanny, hmm. who's not in the game, never made a WCW appearance, despite being on the company payroll for like three years. Um, but since Lanny didn't wrestle, they gave it to his girlfriend, Gorgeous George, um, and then the Gorgeous George would leave uh, leave Macho for Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of the Misfits. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and I guess um, Chris Hero tells a great story that he's heard through the grapevine of Macho like hunting down the uh, the Misfits to find George at a, at a concert, <laughs> but he didn't know Doyle's name and thought his name was Dooley. So he's just like tearing up backstage. So he's like this big dude just like tearing up backstage. Security doesn't want to touch him. Like just screaming, where's Dooley? <laughs> oh my god, that's perfect. I love it. That was great. I really like that story. Because the Misfits showed up in WCW in like 99 when they reformed. Right. <laughs> he's not he's even on screen anymore. <laughs> he just left his, his taunts he walks around so much in his taunts that like he they have to like like invisibly invisibly hook him back into the uh, into the frame does he have two madness shirts what was oh yeah one with sunglasses one without, without. yeah uh next is Conan 
who, if you regularly listen to my podcast, you've heard his name pop up a time or two. Uh, we're about to get Bowdy Bowdy and Rowdy Rowdy in here. Uh, Mexican legend, Conan. Uh, part, uh, he was part of the Dungeon of Doom in WCW. Mm. Um, before joining the NWO. Um, he was supposed to be the original Max Moon in WWF as well. But got into a conflict with Vinnie Mac and uh, bolted before that came through. Uh, but, oh, they actually uh, nicknamed him as K-Dog. Got his other... by that? Yeah. Got his other NWO shirt here, a third NWO shirt, and a green NWO shirt. Huh. Is he with the NWO? Yes, yes he is. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but he's still uh, <laughs> managing people in the wrestling business. He had a pretty large part in the early seasons of Lucha Underground. Uh, he's been popping up in uh, Major League Wrestling as of right. late as well. Um, he's basically kind of a tool of introducing uh, the luchadores to the general population, at mm. least here in the States. Uh, so he kind of plays a mentor, but active participant at this point. Nice. Now we have the flock. Yeah, let's go through one more, and then uh, let's jump into a mash, and we'll just see what it's like. All right. Uh, so we have the flock. Uh, Raven, the leader. Uh, Raven is kind of a gothy, depressed character. Uh, usually has a group of misfits around him, um, ver- varyingly uh, oppressed folk. Uh, and they're considered misfits for varying reasons. He's almost always had some group around him. Um, and in WCW, this group was the Flock. So, uh, did he go by Raven before The Crow came out, or was this another inspiration from that movie? I want to say, uh, say they're pretty. I want to say he predates The Crow, but probably, but not by much. Um, but I think they just kind of wanted a moody, almost like Poe-inspired kind of character. Hmm. Um, because like his, all of his promos were filmed like in a random like location backstage, um, and they were just like dark and depressing. And he'd and then he'd end everything with, "Quote the Raven, evermore." <laughs> oh, that is cheesy. But he'd yeah. uh, but he'd come out wearing like yeah. metal band t-shirts or uh, comic book t-shirts. Hmm. Most famously, uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Oh, nice. Which is actually a variation of what he's wearing right now in the game. Yeah, it looks like it. Just all squiggled up so we can't see anything. Next is Lodi, a man that patterns himself kind of out of Billy Idol, because Lodi is Idol spelled backwards. In WC- oh my god, I had no idea. <laughs> um... He was kind of the flock's cheerleader. He didn't wrestle a whole lot, but he was kind of the sign guy of the flock. He'd have these like witty little signs putting over Raven or uh, shitting on their opponents and whatnot. Even though the guy, dude was jacked to the gills, I'm kind of surprised he didn't wrestle more. Um, he's still jacked. I've seen some footage of him now, and he's like full-on bodybuilder at this Jeez. point. Um, but yeah, like really he's done nothing at note outside of being the flock. Uh, he did... <laughs> wow, he's just like Eric Bischoff over here. Uh, one of his alternate attires. He did uh, start teaming up with Lenny Lane as originally the West Hollywood Blondes. With a quasi-gay gimmick, um, and then and then that gimmick was changed by the uh, uh, by the network because um, they were afraid that people beating up homosexuals would right. you know, send a bad message. Yeah, especially if especially if the if the homosexuals were bad guys, um, and became a team called Creative Control because at this point Vince Russo was involved and subtlety wasn't Russo's uh, (laughs) strong suit. That one didn't go over anyone's head. Nope. (laughs) 
Uh, next, Scotty Riggs. He's the other half of the American Males. Um, he became a freak and joined Raven. He had a feud with Raven originally, and then Raven dropped toehold him, uh, basically tripped him, and then Riggs hit face first on a steel chair, blinding him in one eye in the world of kayfabe. Mm. Uh, so in storyline, he's blind in one eye, so he wears his eye patch, and now he's a freak, so he's willing to join Raven because he was going to be ostracized. Um, but prior to that, he mostly played pretty boy characters. Um, and afterwards, after he left WCW, he went back to being kind of a pretty boy. <laughs> Dished the eye patch. Did a short stint in ECW. Did he wrestle with the patch on him? Yes. I wonder how that messed up his uh, depth perception. I don't know, I'm mildly curious too, but there's been a handful of wrestlers mm. who've had some vision impairment in at least one eye that have has, you know, done okay for themselves. Most notably right now, um, PCO, in R- the Ring of Honor World Champion, who's mostly blind in one eye. I like how just a single eye patch is enough to turn him from a pretty boy into a, an outcast, shunned from society. <laughs> right. Like, dude, you're... You can still be a pretty boy just with a knife catch. Well, and there's like Lodi, like, outside of being annoying, there was nothing to make him, make him kind of a misfit. Um, like, Sick Boy. Like, I can't remember, like, I legit can't remember a thing about Sick Boy outside of there was a dude named Sick Boy in the flock. His name does not spark um, something that you would remember. <laughs> and his alternate attires are like full on Raven as well. Like I, I legit like just remember him being a warm body in the flock. Don't remember anything else. Generic wrestler number one. Yeah. <laughs> and then there is Reese, the Yeti baby. Uh, Ron Reese, uh, giant of a man, seven two. At least they're building uh, building him in this game. Um, was just kind of like the giant muscle for a while in the flock. Um, otherwise, I don't remember much about him either. I remember him more for being the Yeti. Uh, in the Dungeon of Doom, <laughs> which the Yeti was a mummy for some odd reason. <laughs> that uh, makes sense. So, okay. you know, whatever. Alright, so we're going to take a break to get into playthrough, and we'll get the review here in a bit. Alright, we are back. Going to look towards the tag team title, and Alex is going to throw in some more of the history behind the game, and maybe I'll be witty and join in. If not, then, you know, it'll just be like a normal podcast. Exactly. Uh, so there's only, uh, what is it, one, two, three, four, five, there's only six venues in the game, um, which is actually more than World Tour. Huh. I think it only had like four, maybe, or, I don't know, it wasn't that much. Yes. I legit don't remember ever playing World Tour, so. Right. Uh, so they had Monday Nitro, sold out. Super Brawl, Bash at the Beach, Halloween Havoc, which is my favorite one. It was pretty sweet. And Starcade. Um, you can't actually like go backstage or anything, but on some of them you can throw your opponent through the entrance smoke, and they'll come back out <laughs> if they hit the rope or something. And sometimes they come out with a weapon. <laughs> so you gotta be careful when you do that, because you might get a chair to the face. Just like real life. Yeah, just like in real life. Can't throw people in the smoke, because you might get a chair to the face. <laughs> uh, so the music in this game um, was done by Koji Nakura. He was the composer. And he also did WrestleMania 2000, WWF No Mercy. And he was on the sound crew for uh, PS1's Clock Tower, yeah. which was pretty fun. And Shadow of the Colossus as well. 
so he's done some notable things, but he hasn't really done much outside of that. Uh, music was also done by Yuki Sugawara. Uh, she did like the sound effects mostly, I think, either just the per- percussion for uh, the music compositions or the sound effects. I couldn't find too much information about that. Uh, but the sounds are pretty rockin', I would say. Uh, a lot of the distorted guitar, which uh, reminds me a little bit of the GoldenEye soundtrack for N64 as well. They had a lot of just that generic, distorted electric guitar sound. Uh, but like I said before, there's no individual entrance theme songs. Uh, there are, like four or five different entrance music themes but I, I don't know if it's just random or if each one is assigned one of the six songs yeah and I assume it's uh, we'll say stable related too so that could be yeah I never paid attention so uh, I don't know. Yeah. of course we're doing a tag team match so it gets hard telling since uh, we were playing as the Steiner brothers currently who are in two different factions uh, at this time and I need to know how to tag you in so I can read my notes. Wow, you you <laughs> just is, kicked me. What? That is not how you tag, evidently. All right, let's see if it's... it's oh, God. That is not a tag either. Do you have to face me? Uh, I don't know. Luckily, he's an idiot, so I <laughs> do my moves. Can I uh, talk on the ring apron? Yeah! <laughs> Cheer my partner on. You can also get down and, and beat the other guy up. No, I can't look at you. Oh. Um, can't hit a drop kick either. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Running at my opponent full speed. That's, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Alright, get out of my face so I can figure out what the tag button is. Going for another... Uh, oh, 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 the FU military press. There we go. It's Z. Oh. I'm in. Quit yelling at me. I wonder if I can slow it back. Nope, I'm out. <laughs> oh, we so, need to block a three-point stance. Another complaint about this game is there isn't any commentary, which... Uh, uh, this, at this time period, a lot of the commentary was terrible, like, I mean, in video games. Right. So, like, I am not terribly... Uh, Saddened by this, there are a few voice clips. Uh, Macho Man will go, "Oh yeah!" sometimes, and sometimes Chris Jericho will go, "Oh yeah!" because <laughs> the game glitched out and thought Chris Jericho was uh, the Macho sad. Man for some reason. I don't know why. But that, uh, that, was, that was an amazing day, right there. <laughs> that was a meme back in our day. Yeah, just us repeating the same things over again. <laughs> uh, another voice clip in here is Rick Steiner. Oh, I missed the elbow. Uh, Rick Steiner does a dog barking noise. No, no! We got he who shall not be named in here. Uh, this game was originally... <laughs> they were in fighting called um, WCW NWO Live 
Huh, um, which is some was, of the signs. Yeah, the... you can see some of these pink signs that the, the audience has brought in. They say live on them. I don't know why they changed it to Revenge, uh, but when it was in development, it was known as live, so that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, there's no commentary. I think a lot of the games did have commentary, so... But like you said, you could either have no commentary or bad commentary. Which one's worse than the other is debatable, Yeah, I like, suppose. Because a lot of times they would say the same things just over and over and over again. Right. Come on, Stevie. Kicking around with me. Uh, but the crowd cheers are uh, pretty clear. Uh, when you're doing well, they will cheer you. And if you keep attacking your opponent with a chair to the head, they'll boo because it gets boring. <laughs> Uh, especially if you're a face and you're doing things that a heel would, they'll do. Uh, but this game had uh, E E P R O M memory, which is uh, electronically oh, no. erasable, programmable, read-only memory. Uh, the chip was actually built into the cart, so you didn't need the control pack uh, to save your games. Unfortunately, the uh, EEPROM memory only lasts so long, so all of my saved data is erased. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it is possible to save anything on this cart anymore. Um, so that's tragic, because I had a lot of hilarious names. <laughs> uh, nicknames. One of the secret reasons we were doing this. Yeah. Ow! To laugh at how edgy my names were <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, but it does, it did have stat tracking, so you could keep track of your wrestlers and how well you did in champions and stuff. And, uh, they're, they're, like we saw, the arcade-style scores at the end of the match, uh, which I guess it's cool if you like arcade top score things and you want to, uh, see how well you can do. I don't know how to get the scores. You got <laughs> negative points for flying moves. Because so I, I failed. I guess if you miss, you get negative points. That makes sense, I guess. That's going to be extra bad. Oh, I hit that one! I was thinking it's going to be extra bad, because so far from the day, I'm like 0 for 3. But now I'm 1 for 3, so that's alright. I really like this game. Um, other wrestling games that I played before this were on the end. <laughs> NES. Sorry. NES, NES. And they were, not to, you know, like, badmouth them or anything, but they were kind of not great. Like, it was hard to do moves. It was hard to evade moves. Um, you didn't yeah. have a huge you move set yeah. or anything. This was, like, one of the first games I played where your champion that you're playing as has, like, 20 different moves that you can do. And it's really easy to do them with the grapple system. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, I don't think our opponents want it anymore, but nope, it's okay. Yeah, no, I remember this being a really solid game. Like this, like this again was like kind of the highlight of um, the wrestling games because this and Warzone came out pretty close together, and uh, both of those games are pretty darn solid. Right. Can I flip them around? Nope. Okay, not yet. Uh, as far as its technical aspects go, there are a little bit of complaints about the uh, Aki engine with collision, collision detection. Um, like, 
limbs passing through. And as we saw just there, um, Rick Steiner's arms passed through that other guy's arms. Um, or characters' arms would often be clearly disconnected from their torso. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but the magic of the gameplay was the uh, offensive attacking grapple <laughs> versus the uh, defensive reverse attack right grapple mechanic. Um, it's a little bit unrealistic as you can block <laughs> certain moves which wouldn't realistically be blockable like you can just stand there with your chest out and block being speared which that's not how physics works yeah <laughs> so I do like a three point stance which is uh, which is basically a running tackle and he, he just, just stood there and took it right oh no 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 we've gone right. from the top millers to the uh Generic WCW <laughs> jobbers, basically. Yeah, say so stable WCW anyway. Right, uh, guys who didn't have like a clear faction necessarily. Though I will question that with some of the additions in here. But we're going to start out with Diamond Dallas Page, Mister DDP Yoga himself, uh, with his ever-present rib wrappings, because nice. he was almost always injured. <laughs> um, but yeah, after he did a short stint in the WWE. It didn't go totally well, um, and then moved into the fitness market. Kind uh, of come up with his own brand of yoga, uh, originally called Yoga for Regular Guys, uh, before just calling it DDP Yoga, uh, which he later turned into a whole like fitness empire, uh, looking at health foods um, in addition to uh, working out. So he owns the DDP moniker. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah. So, like, he's doing quite well for himself, um, and it helps save the lives, I mean, with, without embellishment, of uh, Scott Hall and Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he opened up his home to them and called it the Accountability Crib. Um, and basically, <laughs> he kind of enforced kind of a strict regimen of exercise, uh, clean diet, clean living. I mean, let's face it, it kept, him, it kept him away from all the vices that they'd fallen into over the years, right. so... Um, and DDP is now kind of a consultant and sometimes on-screen character for all elite wrestling hmm. currently. Uh, next, Goldberg. He is the first guy who's still technically active within the WWE. Is he? Uh, I mean, it's a part-time basis, um, but he's getting a shot for the uh, world title at the next big uh, card um, wow. in Saudi Arabia, Arabia. So count that if you for whatever it is you will. I'm not counting it. <laughs> I prefer to pretend it doesn't exist, but uh, Goldberg will be taking on the fiend, Bray Wyatt, hmm. um, for the world title in Saudi Arabia. So we'll see how that goes. Last time he was in Saudi Arabia, he knocked himself out two minutes into the match <laughs> um, and then had a legit ugly match, well, because he was unconscious, uh, out on his feet, if you will, uh, with The Undertaker. Oh. Um, so lights were on, nobody home, uh, and so he couldn't wor- properly work the match. Match didn't get stopped for whatever reason. Um, just to add to the generic cluster fuckiness of the last Saudi show to go along with it. Good lord. Yeah. Next, Brett Hitman Clark. I mean Hearts. I'm sorry, I'm not Michael Buffer. Uh, Bret Hart, and, and probably oh wow, he looks like Tommy Wasau with, with that hairline. <laughs> he does. Um. Bret Hart, one of the best technical wrestlers of all time. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Uh, retired, basically, from WCW, because of WCW, uh, thanks to a kick to the head by Goldberg. Uh, <laughs> but he still kind of 
is active in the wrestling world, wrote not a biography, uh, shows up for WWE events every now and again, uh, actually got tackled last, uh, was it last WrestleMania, last Hall of Fame ceremony? <laughs> uh, some guy in the crowd thought it'd be great to tackle a stroke survivor no, with concussion issues. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And he got the shit kicked out of him for it. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure um, uh, Dash Wilder uh, got himself a nice bonus for sucker punching the dude like as he was walking, <laughs> getting escorted away. Um, but yeah, so Bret Hart's still with us, luckily enough. Uh, but yeah, had a stroke on a motorcycle. I'm not entirely Ooh. sure how he uh, survived that accident um, to go to the depressing route, but yeah, Brett's WCW career wasn't that great either. Um, <laughs> most people don't really remember it outside of he showed up. Right. And next we have Stevie Richards. I mean, uh, Chris Benoit, he who shall not be named in a lot of WWE material, uh, rightfully so. We all know what happens. Yeah. Um, so we're just kind of going to skip over him. He's here. Well, let's see what costumes he's got. Red pants, red pants. Variation. Black pants. Bad version of his uh, four horsemen attire. Mm. Kind of surprised the horsemen aren't a, aren't a faction in the game, but maybe it's one of those in between time periods. Uh, Rick Steiner, who I've been exclusively playing as today, <laughs> uh, the dog faced gremlin brother of uh, brother of Scott Steiner. Um, really, like after the Spiders split up, he really didn't do a whole lot. Like he's won, won a couple titles in WCW, but really had nowhere near the prestige he once had, and like. Really, the, the biggest claim to fame after WCW folded was um, him getting disqualified in an election hmm. uh, for a school board uh, because he uh, cho uh, chose to run as his uh, wrestling name and not his given name. Okay. Uh, election laws say you have to run under your uh, oh, under yeah. your real name, or at least your legal name, and Rick Steiner is not his real name. Hmm. It's like Rob Reichsteiner. <laughs> we have David Fit Finley. The Irish, it the, looks like. The, uh, the Belfast bruiser himself. Um, still employed with the WWE. Hmm. Um, just had soldier, a shoulder surgery. Uh, he's an agent and responsible for training uh, a lot of the women in the mid-2000s. Huh. Um, British well, uh, catch uh, wrestling legend... Uh, known for his giant mustache and mullet and the fact that he could kick your teeth in without trying. Um, just bad dude, man. Uh, but really cool. Um, he's that guy that, you know, he's not just going to do it for fun. Like, right. don't piss him off. Um, but you know, he had a gnarly match with uh, Stephen uh, William Regal at one of the Uncensored's, uh, where it's one of the things Dawn remembers because she could hear the sound of Regal's nose breaking Ugh. on pay-per-view. Uh, Finley hit him with a stiff forearm right in the middle of the face, broke his Oof. nose. Um, but their their matches were just stiff as all get out, right. which I mean, because they knew they could stiff each other and it'd be fine. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so they just hit each other as hard as they could. <laughs> um, but he nearly lost his leg and retired for a handful of years. Uh, he cut it not bad on a table, Ooh. Uh, doing just a random match. Right. Thought they, I thought he was going to lose it. Um, then so he retired for. About five years, uh, maybe a touch longer, uh, came and then came back around 2006, 2007 in WWE hmm. at like the age of like 50, like wow. made his return and had a pretty solid run for a guy his age and for his stature. 
Next are five time, five time, five time, five time, five time <laughs> world heavyweight champion. You gotta count those out in your head while you're doing it. Yeah, I do. I'm not like Booker <laughs> T. Like, I don't have this down. Um, Booker T. Uh, still with WWE as well, uh, backstage, of course, like mm. most of the folk. Um, just doing random bits of like pre show hosting. Uh, he's one of the hosts of um, whatever their the Fox uh, recap talk show is i can't think of that what's off the top of my head i've watched it once and that was like two days ago um <laughs> but i mean solid and just solid all around and like given his attire he's just starting his solo run um harlem heat looks to be just broken up and there are some color schemes i don't think he ever actually used <laughs> some liberties were taken yeah i think they just wanted to fill up space the, the four slots so they just throw in random colors right. like seeing the green nwo shirt that just kind of threw me off earlier. So they decided that every champ needed four different outfits. Every person has four, yeah. Because yeah. some of them needed four legitimately, and then they were like, well, this guy only has one, so... Yeah, and it's led to some neat stuff. Like, uh, they did some, like, oh, I mean, we've kind of thrown out they've done some throwbacks. Uh, Rick Steiner has an er uh, early 90s look. There's classic Sting. Right. <laughs> There's all-American Lex Luger. Uh, so, you know. It's, I, I, we're at uh, we're up to Perry Saturn now, and I wonder if one of his attires has hair. Like that's my big question, and the answer is no. He's wearing variation of jeans and jean shorts, uh, but he's a former member of the flock, um, freshly liberated at this point. Um, but his first first handful of appearances in WCW, he had hair. Um, he's one of the early victims of Goldberg as well. Still had hair at that point as well. Um, <laughs> So it was just kind of weird because I always knew him as being bald or having like this weird like long-haired mohawk thing going on as part of the Eliminators. Um, but he was part of the flock in WCW until he, him and Kidman uh, broke away and then uh, forced the flock to dissolve by beating Raven in a match. I think I had a Saturn t-shirt. Really? Yeah, it was like orange and it was just like a tribal design. Across the chest. Sounds like maybe like a Taz thing. Because Taz was all about the orange. Hmm. But, ah, I don't, I don't I'd, I'd have to see it. Go with it. <laughs> um, but Saturn also had a short stint in the WWE and did alright for himself. Biggest claim to fame was uh, discovering Moppy. You're welcome. Is he a mop? Yes. She. She Whoa. is a mop. <laughs> Disco! Disco Inferno still is active in the wrestling scene. Uh, mostly hanging around friends Conan and, and Don Callis. Um, Disco Inferno basically has had one gimmick for the most part, and that is a disco-loving fool. Um, he has kind of switched things up to be a little bit more contemporary. Um, at one point, changing the spelling of Disco to uh, D-I-S-Q-O. Oh my god. Um, former member of the NWO Wolfpack. Auxiliary member. Like, I don't think they ever made him a full member. Uh, but he's just kind of a lackey at best, which is kind of how he spent a lot of his career. Um, but you know, it's disco. I, I love disco. Um, and in one of like the early cause in the WCW games, like it was him and, uh, Mortis whose movesets I would choose to use. Um, but he was an early practitioner of the stunner. Um, I'm pretty oh, sure he really? pre I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he predates Austin. Not huh. by, I mean, yeah. Cause I was going to say Austin is probably still. Uh, it's probably still the ringmaster when uh, Disco was using the chart buster. Hmm. 
Though Austin, you know, will admit that he stole the stunner from Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> you know, so. Here's that Saturn shirt that I had. Oh, it was Saturn. Okay. But uh, the colors were inverted, so the shirt was orange and the logo was black. Huh. I don't think I, I just didn't know Saturn had any merch whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> he had one shirt. He had one shirt. Uh, apparently I had it. <sighs> Next, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, a member of the Heart Foundation. He's having a seizure while pooping, it looks like. <laughs> right? And he's he like, has the same outfit, so they just did palette swaps for each of his outfits. He's wearing blue, yellow, and... A different red, kind of. Yeah, I guess it'd be actual red because he's pink normally. Um, but yeah, he came to WCW after the Montre after the Montreal Screw Job. Um, is doing his little football tackle thing. Um, but yeah, he did nothing in WCW. Like he teamed with the British Bulldog. Mm -hmm. That's about it. That's all I remember. Uh, but he passed away uh, like the la last the year or so as well. So take a drink for you know <laughs> those who are playing playing drink whenever we mention someone who's passed. Uh, go ahead and take another drink while we're at it, because we have the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Wow, walking some green green Bulldog t uh, tights, too. Yeah, some other generic stuff. Um, yeah, Bulldog really didn't... Uh, Bulldog's biggest claim to fame in late WCW. He kind of flopped between WWE and WCW throughout the 90s. Um, but his last stint in WCW, uh, biggest claim to fame, was uh, buggering up his back on a trap door. Mm -hmm. um, Ultimate Warrior used to have a trapdoor in the ring, and like they just didn't tell the wrestlers where it was. And Bulldog took, I believe, a back body drop onto the trapdoor, which is a which either hit the hinge or the trapdoor itself was a bit more solid than the rest of the ring, and uh, buggered up his back pretty good. Hmm, that makes sense. Not telling the wrestlers where that is, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Really, like it was said, really didn't do a whole lot in WCW. He made he did, made a comeback and came to WWE in 2000 and did next to nothing there as well outside of wear blue <laughs> jeans. Um, but yeah, but his boy wrestles on today. Uh, those of you who pay attention to Japan and my pod uh, and this podcast know that Dave Boy Smith Jr. is now feuding with the uh, Contra Unit. Nice. Ah, Glacier Sub Zero himself. Coach Buzz Stern came in with a lot of hype and then like couldn't live up to it because he wasn't a karate master and another palette swap of your alternate attires. Um, but yeah, he came in kind of like looking like sub like Sub Zero from Mortal Kombat. And... It looks like a, the characters from Contra as well. Like they just pulled <laughs> his scheme right out of the Contra games. But what's fun is like you can catch him uh, if you and uh, some of the old uh, jobber shows. Uh, jobbing in like the late 80s still <laughs> oh, has really? still has his flat top even then oh my God. Uh, I think at one point he did, does have like a full mullet but yeah um, Ray Lloyd uh, he also like randomly sh popped up um, Joey Janela independent wrestler hosts uh, used to uh, well still does hosts uh, uh, card WrestleMania during the week of Wrestlemania and he was he was a guy that would just bring people out of the rafters for at least a one-off like guys who may not have been active have retired or whatnot right. and brought in Glacier one year uh, Glacier was also a corner man for Cody Rhodes in the early days of AEW as well. Um, so, I mean, he's still around and he's got some powerful friends, if nothing else. Nice. Van Hammer. The Van <laughs> heavy metal Van Hammer. Um, I'm just going to end it with, he just got drunk and hit a kid with a car. Oh my God. <laughs> so we're just going to move on. 
Yuji Nagata, Japanese legend. Um, really didn't do anything in WCW. Came over uh, for an excursion. Um, Japan, uh, the New Japan and a lot of the Jap- Japanese companies are big into uh, having their trainees do an excursion somewhere else in the world to help pick up a different style. Right. Um, and at this point, WCW had a, um, a talent trading arrangement. And they got Yuji Nagata. Um, and really didn't do anything with him. But like mm-hmm. after he went back to Japan, became huge. And uh, I guess I had a really good showing at the G1, either Tag League or G1 this year. Um, but yeah, still breaks it out, still competes at a, a high level for a guy his age, anyway. Wow. Like, he's not top of the card anymore, but right. like he still puts on a pretty solid show. Dang, that's crazy. But, um, yeah, he's a, tech, a great cra- technical wrestler. And Larry Legend, Larry Zabisco, uh, last AWA world champion. Um, at this point in his career, even in the game, he was, uh, he was like one of the lead commentators for Nitro. Hmm. Um, I think they just threw, threw him in here for shits and giggles. <laughs> um, yeah. Before, yes, well, we're putting you in the game. Pretty much. Like, and, I, like, and like, I think it's like the re- same reason like Bischoff's in here. It's kind of an Easter eggy kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, Larry Legend, uh, made a, made a comeback in video game for, uh, form in a, the last couple of years had been in a staple of the, uh, WWE 2K series. Actually oh, really? him and Arn Anderson, the enforcers had made it a handful of games nice. uh, as well. Uh, so like, yeah, my retro character had a feud with him for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, La Parka still active. That's why, um, or he was the reason uh, why I wanted to do this because I heard you talk about him in your podcast, but you kept calling him L.A. Park. I'm like, L.A. Park, does that mean La Parga? That's, that's what I know him as. So I looked it up and yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember him from the Revenge game. Yeah, the, Is he still wrestling? Oh my God, I can't believe it. Rob, the, let's do this. The, <laughs> the chairman of WCW. Um yeah, uh, Mexican wrestling politics is crazy, um, and well, like in America, like um, the company companies will trademark characters or at least names for characters, and if you leave like, in Mexico, though, they'll just give your your gimmick to somebody else, just flat out, just right. like here, you're now La Parca, <laughs> and sometimes out of respect, they'll call you like La Parca too, or maybe they'll lie and say you have some family lineage, and you'd be like. Like El uh, La Parca Jr. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, but he broke away from AAA and couldn't use the La Parca name, and so he became L.A. Park. Um, but he's changed up his style uh, from gen- uh, general luchador to a brawling uh, hmm. style. Um, and Major League Wrestling, he's kind of the bruiser of a uh, faction that is not really much of an existence anymore. Um, Promotion, uh, Dorada. Um, but he was kind of their, their secret weapon kind of dude. Like if you need something done, they were going to send La Parca after you. Right. Um, but he lost the world title match, which was actually his first loss in MLW. Wow. Uh, so like in over a year. Looks like he's masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was about. That's secret to his youth, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's still going. And I want to say, this weekend, he's making his return. I think uh, tonight is his return. Oh, wow. Um, tonight being the 8th of February. Yes. Um, yeah, so as of this recording, the night of this recording, he's making his return to uh, Major League Wrestling. You know, tying this all together, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Next is Stevie Ray, the lesser successful half of Harlem Heat. Um, Looks just like Booger T. Yeah, pretty. Uh, which is weird because in real life, totally can because uh, Stevie Ray's bigger, a lot bigger than Booker. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Stevie Ray, like they broke off. He joined the NWO, so evidently he had not done that yet as of this point. But he ended up joining the NWO. Oh nope, we got NWO attire in here. He just didn't make it to the stables <laughs> list. Um, joined the NWO, black and white for a while. Uh, and then just kind of floundered around, had a feud with Booker over the Harlem Heat name, and then over the right to the initial T uh, with the former uh, Ahmed Johnson uh, in some sort of wacky stable thing going on because he reformed Harlem Heat with Ahmed Johnson mm. <laughs> and formed like a quasi like Nation of Domination kind of stable out of it somehow. But it was kind of nuts and no one really wants to remember it. They put him on com <laughs> and they put him on commentary and it was hilarious. Because he could talk, but not in a way you should put on commentary. <laughs> and so he would just say random things, and it was hilarious. Nice. It was great. Uh, and he like, and like, I don't know if he would just forget he had a live mic. He would just make <laughs> these wild accusations. That I mean, they weren't wild. They were based in impossible reality. But he would just like, uh, but like he would like end up indirectly claim like Scott Steiner was taking massive amounts of steroids, which. <laughs> You shouldn't be saying. Yeah, and and then he would just like make up, and he just like make up random insults, like sad sack booty, like <laughs> don't even know what that means. Oh, man. Uh, next row of WCW, Lionheart, Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AEW World Heavyweight Champion currently. I think he's done all right for himself in the last twenty years. He's got his own uh, little bit of the bubbly too, his sparkling wine. It's not really champagne because it didn't come from France. So this was like just before he got super famous then I take it? Uh, he's probably, you said 98, this would be about a year before he left for the WWE. Um, but yeah, it, did, it had a pretty solid WCW career, but it wasn't going to crack the glass ceiling over there because he wasn't Hogan or Sting right. or anything like that. And they kind of had a cast system in WCW, um, but had some bangers of feuds with folk. Um, and it was a staple in the cruiserweight and television title divisions mm. as well. Um, but yeah, I so wanted the Jericho-holics anonymous t-shirt back in the day. <laughs> and like Keith would get get to go to various WCW events. And I'd just throw money at him and like, get a Jericho-holics t-shirt for me. <laughs> and like I'd, he'd come back with my money. He's like, yeah, I don't have anything. Uh -huh. I'm like, man, man. It's interesting that he's relegated to the fourth WCW slot or card in this game, and then he's, like, just in two years, going to be the most famous wrestler. Yeah, he was the first undisputed heavyweight champion in WWE after the buyout, and again, he's still going strong. Like, mm -hmm. he's Le Champion, the AEW, the, the inaugural AEW World Heavyweight Champion, um, has reinvented himself several times over the last 20 years. Um, you know, and his wrestling in Japan now, like, it's crazy. Nice. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take a shot for Uncle Eddie, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, his classic spelling of E-D-D-Y. Um, just another guy, like, just taken too soon. Uh, the hard living kind of caught up with him, though he was clean by the time he passed. Um, but it did so much. Like, it was one of the biggest introducers of the Cruiserweight style. What we call the Cruiserweight style, the Luchador style in America. Mm. Um, was part of, like, the first uh, Luchador-based... Uh, pay-per-view uh when worlds collide in 1993 oh wow. uh, as part of uh, los gringos locos 
uh, when it had a solid stint in ECW before coming to WCW and eventually made his way to the WWE and became the World Heavyweight Champion there. Yeah, I always liked watching him on WWE. I, uh, yeah, I did like the high-flying type. Of... Yeah. Oh, he was the complete package like he, he, he i mean he could talk he could get a response out of you like whether he like he was great at a slime ball character and he did mm-hmm. it but and he did it both ways as a good guy and a bad guy like like you do it like tongue-in-cheek like oh you caught me <laughs> like or he would just or you know he would do it because f you like i don't have to cheat but right. it's easier this way <laughs> and it's just really good at generating response Though in this game, he's relegated to tapping his chest and tapping his ass. Flapping his butt, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kiss my butt. C. Cosis, uh, who's, I guess, finally going to retire this year. He's still active mostly in Mexico. Um, I just always thought of him as La Parca Jr. <laughs> or uh, generic brand La Parca. <laughs> he's one of, like, I did, yeah, I say, I was like, he's the guy with the crazy mask and hair. And then as an adult, like, I, I watched a bunch of his matches and realized why they called him Psychosis because he was fucking psycho. <laughs> like, he was doing crazy, like, moves that you shouldn't be doing just for your own safety because even if you did it right, <laughs> like, it had to hurt. Right. Like, I've watched him do, like, leg drops to the, from the top rope to the arena floor. Ugh. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> even if you do it right, that's a tailbone to the floor. Like, <laughs> you know, so that's why he was Psychosis. <laughs> Ray Mysterio Jr., the king of mystery, uh, back with the WWE uh, within the last couple of years. Oh, nice. um, yeah, um, but he's, he's traveled the world, did, did a number of years in WWE, became the world champion, uh, left for a bit when it looked like his body was breaking down, but got him, whipped himself back into tremendous shape to uh, compete. I mean, it's I mean he's not as good as he was in '96, obviously, right. but man, he can, he can move again. And it's amazing. Like I, he made me eat a lot of crow because <laughs> I was one of those proponents of please retire Ray, uh, and then lost a bunch of weight. And though I will still rag on his fashion choice because his fashion <laughs> choices have kind of gotten crazy. Um, but better or worse than what he's got on right now? So much worse. Oh my god! I mean, laughably bad. <laughs> um, but I, that being said, I cannot deny the the impact he's had on professional wrestling. Again, right. uh, he's probably the most emulated luchador in the, the the in America. Yeah, so I can make fun of his attire and talk about how like ten years ago I wanted him to retire because he wasn't as good as he was. But he's a guy you can't argue his legacy. I think fancy clothing wise in here uh, oh they all oh, do they got his full body uh phantom look uh, yeah it does look like the phantom <laughs> yeah i mean even even in 1998 uh, he was still kind of paying homage to uh comic books um but they kind of for legal purposes switch things up here right that makes sense stinko malenko <laughs> Uh, the Iceman, Man of a Thousand Holds, Dean Malenko, uh, currently a, a backstage producer in AEW. Hmm. Um, uh, and he was also number one in the PWI 500 in like 97, I want to say, either 96 or 97. Uh, it was the only year they judged people by their actual talent rather than <laughs> than what the, than like what was going on right. in the promotion. Because usually PWI kind of mixes talent with success... With you know, with other metrics, and then one year they just couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. Like they couldn't choose a number one, so they gave it to Malenko, who they said <laughs> was like pound for pound, 
uh, talent-wise, the best wrestler in the world. Mm. Um, but he was not known for his sparkling personality. He was called the Iceman because he didn't emote terribly well. <laughs> Which is weird, because I hear he's hilarious. Hmm. Um, but maybe he's just uh, camera shy. Yeah, I don't know. Like, but yeah, he's the Iceman. He would just pick a potty part, not emote. Maybe she could be a show. He's a little bit angry, but other than that, but solid technical wrestler. Ah, uh, the Juice, Juventud Guerrera, Hoovy, Hoovy Juice. Another guy they put on commentary for no good reason, and it was insane. <laughs> oh, he wrestles masked and unmasked in this game. Um, like a staple of the cruiserweight division. Uh, another one that kind of set the world on fire, along with Ray, Sikosis, and Eddie. Um, but yeah, he was just an amazing young talent. Uh, but uh, arguably his biggest claim to fame was getting uh, getting his drugs spiked with PCP and going crazy in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> the Ultimo Dragon, a uh, Japanese legend, uh, originator of the J-Crown, which was like every cruiserweight title in Japan and chunks of Mes- Mexico. At the time, and he'd wear them all to the all to the ring. Yep. Which, uh, shoulder pads seem to be clipping through his arms. Yeah, it's kind of not looking good. No, yeah, that's one of the ones that didn't really translate to the game well. Um, but yeah, WCW didn't do a whole lot with him. He was just kind of generic Asian guy, which is weird because they kind of like did they played him up like they'd say he's like the last of the dragons, and he'd come to the ring wearing the J crown, like have all these t- draped in gold. Like title belts, and then they would just like come in, have a match, and leave. <laughs> like yeah, he did all right for himself, but like there was like no fanfare or he any sort was, of actual he push. He was the most austere person that no one knew about. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Chavito, Chavo Guerrero Jr., uh, Eddie's nephew, um, mostly treated as a joke in WCW, and well, okay, to be fair, kind of a. Treated as a joke, like in the WWE as well. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, where when wasn't he a joke? I don't remember that. And they kind of like, <laughs> like even some of the other big places, like uh, he was treated with a lot of respect and impact. But even um, Lucha Underground, he was kind of like the sniveling, like like he wasn't like it wasn't like he was he was kind of like that mob guy who would change alliances like all the time and would like rat everyone out, and so like everyone kept like giving him jobs, but he but no one trusted him. Like, that's kind of his character in Lucha Underground. Like, I'm going to rat you out for a dollar. Mm. Um, but, like, yeah, he's just a guy, he's just basically, like, he's no slouch. He's just been overshadowed by the rest of his family. Right. Pretty much. Still active, or? Um, off and on, not as much as he was. He does a lot of training for folks. Um, and, like, Lucha Underground, like, he was kind of in charge of, kind of like setting everything up on the physical level right um because lucha underground was treated more as a television show than it was <laughs> um an actual wrestling promotion right which if you haven't checked out lucha underground it, it's amazing it was it, it, my girlfriend considers it a suitable substitute for classic chikara <laughs> um, in terms of how it's presented and its storytelling and whatnot it definitely has a canon and it has a canon that matters hmm. which is rare in the world of pro wrestling right nice next is das vanda kid Alex Wright doing his penis pump dance. I hate it. I hate everything about this. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I hate his face. Probably not uh, as much as Triple H does, though. <laughs> uh, perennial tag team partner of Disco Inferno, alternately known as Boogie Knights and the Dancing Fools, depending on who was <laughs> talking about them. Um, but, like, yeah, he's a big deal in Germany. He came to America and basically became known for his terrible dance. Oh, my God. 
But again, like undefeated against Triple H. Huh. I'm pretty sure he's got a pay-per-view win over him too. Back in like 95. <laughs> so Before Triple H was put over. <laughs> he, back when he was Terra Ryzen. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, like he stayed with the, like Wright had a, had a job with the WCW for like seven years and <laughs> like didn't really do anything. Uh, we've now moved into uh, so, Wacky World to here. fill out the rest of the roster, um, uh, they included some fictitious wrestlers in this game from the quote-unquote EWF, which is Empire Wrestling Federation, and uh, DAW, Dead or Alive Wrestling, which was um, in World Tour as DOA, um, Dead or Alive Wrestling, so... They went from the actual Dead or Alive to Daw, so cute. <laughs> so I don't know why they did that. Anyways, uh, they're actually based on real non-WCW wrestlers, uh, mostly from Japan. Uh, for instance, uh, Aki slash THQ Man is uh, Mitsuharu Masawa. Huh, you can't tell that by looking at him, though. Because he's got that little helmet thing yeah, on. He's got a whole like, bodysuit thing going on, and Masawa never really bodysuited outside of... His tiger mask sense. Right. And uh, Jekyll is Dr. Death Steve Williams. Oh, I buy that. Well, like, kind of mostly bald version. I got like, oh, his hair's terrible. But yep, but he had taunts. He's got kind of like the amateur wrestling singlet thing going on. And Hans Zoman is Hayabuso. Uh, uh, I think if you go over one, uh, he's at the very bottom there. Oh. Yeah, I could buy that as Hayabusa. Uh, it's not perfect, but... The names and appearances were changed so that uh, WCW wouldn't have to pay the individuals or the wrestling promotions they belong to, uh, but their movesets are the same. Hmm. So if you know someone by their moveset, you might be able to, to pick them out. <laughs> we, I say we, yeah, like, I say we, we also have Shogun, who's just wearing in like street clothes, except for his Shogun-style mask. The Executioner. Who's a gimp. It's <laughs> kind of a mixture of a bunch of different kind of gimmicks going on. Dr. Frank, we have a Frankenstein. Legitimately just Frankenstein. He's got the neck bolts. And <laughs> Ironically, he's shorter than a lot of folk that would play Frankenstein. <laughs> we talked about the Jekyll. Ma Maya Inca boy. <laughs> kind of looks like Wesley Snipes. He does. I did name, rename him Wesley Snipes. Uh, so, as his nickname. It's all tatted up. Uh, but yeah, the e the, those were the EWF guys. Apparently, they are "quote unquote" one of the oldest wrestling groups in the professional wrestling industry. They believe that the sport should be fun and extreme. <laughs> uh, this is compromise of many wrestling oddities, including samurai and man warriors. Uh, who happen to be a black guy? Who happen to be a black guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then now we're on the, the Daw, uh, Dead or Alive Wrestling. Uh, some of the fiercest martial arts experts in the world. All of us members are veterans of. Death matches and illegal pit fighting. Like sumo wrestling here with Hawk Hana. So what what is illegal pit fighting? Do you know anything about that? <laughs> I I mean I I mean I assume it's like blood sport and I mean anything that's not sanctioned by a governing body, like fight club and stuff like that. I mean the first thing that comes to my mind when you say like pit fighting would probably be closer to uh 
like Bloodsport. Bloodsport was a comedy, by the way, if you didn't know. It, it is the funniest movie ever. <laughs> I, one of my favorite like uh, message board avatars is some guy had a clip of it, and he put a micro. Uh, they put a microphone in front of Jean Claude Van Damme when he's doing <laughs> right. the screamy thing, and then his uh, the crazy guy opponent. They put drumsticks in his hands, so and he's like taking a drum solo <laughs> in the GIF. We're like, talking about old school memes here, folks. Like. The year 2002. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> but Hawk Hana is a, a slightly skinny sumo dude. We have kimchi, which I hate all kimchis, even if they were managing uh, Kamala as well. Um, He's got like krillin dots on his forehead. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like he could kind of kick ass, but man, he could pick a better name because cabbage. <laughs> why, would, why would you be a fighter named after a cabbage dish? Doc Ken, or Doc A. Ken, I'm not sure, but he is judo he's a judo chopping fool. There's your Brikowski. Oh, lordy! Salvador Dog. He's got a weird face. <laughs> and he's got a, he's got a spade on his shoulder, tattooed heart on the other one. I'm not sure what Brikowski has to do with his card playing acumen here and his handlebar mustache. Ming Chi. Slightly racist. Yeah, uh, kind of uh, going into stereotypes right now. <laughs> Moving on. He's uh, well, like, it looks like an odd job. Take the derby off of him. Right. And we already talked about Hanzo, man. That that and that is everyone. That is the entire roster as at this point. Uh, we notably like lacking a Ric Flair, uh, in there. And he talked about Wrath being a unlockable character as well. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of people. Uh, pretty much like others well, and Buff Bagwell doing the worm. Uh, I mean, I mean, the odds of you finding like something that resembles your favorite wrestler in WCW at this time, like you're probably gonna do it because, I mean, like wrestling games now, you can choose from eighty people. You're only playing as three. Let's face it. Right. <laughs> but like, pretty solid, a pretty solid lineup. Not as many dead people as I kind of thought. Yeah, I, I was very surprised. I thought it was gonna be at least one or two per card, but. Uh... I think only like less than ten percent of the entire roster. Yeah, maybe less than five percent of it. They're all alive. Good for them. Yeah, <laughs> but like they're yeah, the roster roster's huge and has some really interesting names in it, which is why I buy wrestling games anymore. Uh, is just to see who's in it and like who they deemed worthy enough for that ten minutes to put in the game. Because sometimes you like you see guys that were legitimately in the in a company for less than a year somehow make it into a game and you're like mm -hmm. what <laughs> you know or guys like you'll never see on TV like I I I'm, I am at a certain level like I mean they have name value but I'm surprised like Jim Neidhart and British Bulldog made it into the game because like at best they would be on Thunder at best usually they were on Saturday Night or some of the worldwide shows that. Like you just you could only watch them if you got lucky right. at like one a.m. Wrestler that who would have otherwise been lost to time are now forever immortalized in a video game. But but yeah, so that's kind of our half-assed review of uh, WCW NWO Revenge. At least going over the roster. The roster alone has made us talk for over an hour somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, plus our mini playthrough and whatnot. Um, so of course this is just a special edition. Um, maybe if we get, maybe we can make this as a quasi regular feature. because well, Lord knows the combination of the two of us have a shit ton of wrestling games to go th that we could go through. All right, I don't know much about wrestling, but I do know a little bit about wrestling video games. Uh, since video games are my forte, and wrestling is your forte. 
And yeah, and as we can find, as we know, I can and will talk ad nauseum because this, this is how I buy two cups of coffee, coffee a month mostly, is by talking about wrestling. Um, so, but thank you, Alex, for coming on and bothering to do actual research while I just showed up and started babbling on incoherently for most of an hour anyway. Yeah, for having me on, uh, I had fun. Yeah, it was a good time. You uh, you can follow you can follow him on social media uh, at on Twitter at xmaverick45, M A V R I C K. Um, is there any other plugs you need to throw you want to throw in there? I uh, know I'm good. You can okay. find me online if you really want to. Okay, just giving them the opportunity to possibly make make free money if we send people <laughs> that way. But I, I don't think you you don't shill quite as much as I do. At least have things to shill quite as much as I do anyway. But just type my name, my name into Amazon and you can there we find go. Something. There you go. He's one up on me. At least he's got stuff on Amazon. <laughs> but thank you all for listening. Uh, hope you enjoy it and catch out uh, the regular show. MLW Confusion goes up live every Friday. Um, but if I'm ambitious and you're on my Patreon, you can check it out on Wednesday ad free even. Um, so check those things out. Appreciate it. Good night. <laughs>